So social security, of course, as you could probably imagine, has a pretty complicated system for determining whether someone's disabled. Tired, weary, frustrated. What would you be doing if you weren't raising children alone? What's stopping you from living your best life now? On Solar Moms Talk, I discuss with solar mothers the challenges you face raising children alone. So if you're a working solar mom dealing with independent children, insensitive bosses, weight and health issues, or even debt collectors, join us as we discover your path to get and stay healthy, increase your income, and live with joy and purpose. In this battle of life. It's hard to keep your head above the water So win this fight My guest today is Spencer Bishin. Thank you for coming and speaking to me today, Spencer. I understand you're an author and also a social security disability expert. Before we get into that topic, could you tell us who is Spencer Bishins? Sure. Thanks for having me. So I went to law school and graduated in late 2007, passed the bar in 2008. And uh, as you and I'm sure many of your guests will remember, that wasn't a great time to be trying to enter the job market. And the, for lawyers, that was no different. So it took a while to get a long-term uh, position. But when I finally was able to do that, uh, it ended up being with the Social Security Administration. That's who hired me in 2010. So uh, I didn't know how long I'd be there. I didn't even know they had a disability program at the time when I applied for the job, funny enough. But uh, I learned they had a good training program, and I ended up staying 11 years. And during those 11 years, I wrote almost 2,000 decisions for administrative law judges, and I reviewed several thousand more on appeal. Uh, so I've seen my fair share of all different types of cases, adult cases, child cases, physical impairments, mental health impairments. I've seen it all. Okay. All right. Thank you. So before we start the discussion, can you tell us what is social security disability and how is it different from regular social security? Yeah, it's a great question because in the United States, we're conditioned to just hear social security and think, that's something I get when I'm ill. Like, okay. that's not something I have to think about now, right? Mm -hmm. But that tax that we pay, anyone who's an employee who gets a paycheck every two weeks, well, you probably also get a pay stub. And most people never look at their pay stub. But if you right. look at your pay stub, you see three federal taxes that come out. There's the income tax. And we all love to talk about, like, oh, how should we use our income tax? Roads, military, healthcare, whatever. But then there's also the social security tax and the Medicare tax. And that social security tax pays for more than just retirement benefits. It also puts you into the disability program and you don't have an option. Pay that tax and get credits and those credits go towards your retirement, but they also get you disability insurance. And so that way you, for any reason, have a medical impairment, could be an injury, could be something chronic or long-term. Any kind of medical impairment or combination of impairments that prevent you from doing full-time work, 
you can apply for disability benefits. Now, there are two different programs. The first program is what we just talked about, Social Security Disability Insurance Benefits. And those are basically just like your retirement benefits. You just get them before age 67 if you qualify as disabled. And I know many of your listeners are parents, right? May have children. Yes. Well, there's another program called Supplemental Security Income Benefits. And this program is for children. And it could also be for adults who didn't work and didn't earn enough credits or they haven't worked recently so they don't qualify for the SSDI program. And SSI, Supplemental Security Income, it's a completely different program because you don't pay that social security tax to get into the program. It's just funded through regular income taxes. But the problem is the benefit amount is less. It's a lot more unstable. There's asset and income limitations. There are a lot more ways to be thrown out of that program. And there's no Medicare involved. Whereas actually with you have the SSDI program, the actual insurance program that you've paid the tax for. You can actually also qualify for Medicare coverage, no matter your age. So if you're 40 and you're found disabled, you can get Medicare coverage at 40. There's a limitation of it has to be 60 months. Uh, I'm sorry, 36 months after you're found disabled. But still, you can get that coverage well before age 65. So the SSDI program... It's a much better program. It's much more stable. You could work while you're also getting benefits to try and get back into the workforce. So that earned benefit, we call it an entitlement in the United States. And it's because if you earn those credits, you really are entitled to all the benefits of that program. But Congress understands some people like stay-at-home parents who aren't working and earning those credits might not necessarily qualify for that program. So for those people, there is the SSI program. And of course, since children don't work, kids don't work, they can't earn the credits. They aren't going to be able to get into that SSDI program. So there's this other SSI program. I know that's confusing. It's a really confusing system, right? So I go through all that in a lot more detail in part one of the book. Okay, so, all right. So I appreciate you, you know, trying to break it down for us lay people. Uh, as much as I check my pay stuff, I can never understand why they were taking certain certain amounts out of my paycheck. Um, but now I'm getting it. So how do you qualify for, I'm going to ask you to, to just split them up. Given sure. that we're probably, list, mothers are probably listening. Right. So one, I'm, I'm injured or disabled. Um, first of all, how is that determined? Like, you know, what could qualify as a disability? Yeah, so it's, a great, it's a great yeah. question. And so I, I do cover this in really thorough detail in part two of the book. I also, okay. by the way, tell you why those taxes are taken out, and how much they're taken out. <laughs> so, so part one and two of the book, and you'll be like, oh, I get it now. Right. Uh, so Social Security, of course, as you could probably imagine, has a pretty complicated system for determining whether someone's disabled. Um, for both programs, SSDI and SSI, it's the same question, the same definition of disability, but the definition is different for adults and children. So let's start with adults. For adults, the question is, do you have a medical impairment or combination of impairments? Any impairment, by the way, that started at any point in your life and for any reason, 
doesn't have to be work-related. Any medical impairment or impairments that causes you to be unable to work for a full 12 months. Now, that's not the work you used to do or that you were trained to do or that you're educated to do or that you want to do. It's any work that exists in significant numbers in the national economy. So just to take an extreme example, if you were a highly trained orthopedic surgeon and you used to do back surgeries on people and now you have an injured back yourself, well, if you can be a cashier or repair eyeglasses, simple, low-stress, low-physical exertion jobs, you're not disabled under Social Security's rules. In other words, Social Security wants to know that you can't do any full-time work that exists in significant numbers in the national economy. That's a really strict standard, of course, right? Because uh-huh. there's a lot of people who have medical impairments, and maybe they can't go back to the job they used to do, and they think, I did that job for 20 years, and I can't do it anymore. I'm disabled. People might think of themselves as disabled or be found disabled by another government agency, even like the VA, where workers come, doesn't mean you're disabled based on Social Security's definition. For kids, it's a little different because kids don't work. So we can't ask about whether they can go back to do any work, right? So Mm -hmm. for kids, ages 0 to 17, what the agency does is they ask about whether the child claimant has the ability to, the functional ability in the same way as that of an unimpaired child. There are six functional domains, things like acquiring and using information, interacting with others, caring for yourself. And Social Security also understands that at different ages of development, kids are able to do different things. A two-year-old is not going to be expected to be doing what a 16-year-old is, right? Right, So Social Security has these six domains of functioning, and then they break that up by age bands. Newborn, zero to one, one to three. I think it's three to six, six to 12, and 12 to 18. I think I got those right. And then they have a list of here's what an unimpaired child within those age bands should be able to do function-wise. Is the claimant substantially functionally impaired when compared to a non-impaired child? And if the functioning is substantially lower than it would be for an unimpaired child, a child with no impairments, then we decide that that child is disabled under Social Security's rules. Ah, wow. For kids, Mm -hmm. it's all about functioning. And because, I mean, I'm I'm a lawyer. I'm not a medical professional, right? Mm -hmm. And the judges are lawyers. And my job as an attorney was to write their decisions. And none of us are medical professionals. We have a limited degree of training in how to like read medical records, but it's not our job within Social Security to make medical decisions. Right. So for children particularly, the judge will almost always bring in a medical expert, a doctor who is either a pediatrician or a specialist, like a mental health specialist, or if it's a respiratory condition, a pulmonologist, for example, or just a pediatrician that obviously sees kids all day long and say, you know, I, I need you to look at the evidence and tell me about this child's functioning because I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to make that assessment. So for kids, especially, they'll almost always have a medical expert make do that analysis for them. And then they'll say, OK, based on what the doctor told me, the child is disabled or not disabled. 
Oh, so it sounds like they really do. They do a thorough investigation um, so that you don't just, you know, file frivolous claim and get money for it. Sounds like it, it, right? Everything is incredibly thorough within Social Security. Okay. Um, I talk about in the book how frivolous claims are not really possible for disability within Social Security. I have a whole chapter near the end of the book. After I've told you all of the different complicated rules and procedures, and after I've already convinced you throughout the whole book why it would be really impossible to like fake your way through this process, I have a chapter near the end where I like really hammered home and I explained that fraud, waste, and abuse, that, that's our, an opinion. It's a politically charged term that we sometimes hear, just like people who don't want there to be public benefits programs or a social safety net, they'll say like, God, there's all this fraud in the programs. But there's really not. There's, everyone has to have medical evidence. It has to show disability for a full 12 months. You have to have medical opinions. It all gets looked at by at least a couple different people. There's a thorough analysis. When I'm denying a case, or when I'm approving a case, when I'm writing that decision, I have to look at the person's entire medical record and explain every medical visit and every medical opinion. Like, you just can't fake your way through that, right? The, the amount of money it would take to establish a record over several years and not working during that time, that the cost is way more than you'll ever get back in benefits. So there's just no fight. I, it's not, I don't want to say fortunately, because it's a really, it's a huge problem for the people who have to spend this money because they have no choice because they have substantial medical impairments. So it's not a good thing that they have to spend all this money and that what they're getting back in benefits isn't really enough. But it's only a good thing in the sense that there's no incentive for fraud in this system. You would just right. have to spend so much time and effort and money developing a fake medical record and you'll get caught along the way anyway. So I, as someone who worked for Social Security for almost 11 years, I don't see any possible way anyone could fake their way through an entire Social Security disability claim all the way to being approved. Right. Okay. All right. And um, I looked at, I actually looked at the, you know, the form. They have like an intake form or something to show mm -hmm. if, you can, if you would qualify. And I, I got disabled just trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't even bother with that, you know, even well, if actually, I was truly disabled. <laughs> what, what you're saying is actually a really important point, and that is that Carity knows that the people filing for disability are going through really hard times, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you're an adult or it's for your child. You're a genetic condition or something, and you're the parent and you can't work, but you also maybe have a child who's disabled. You can't work. Most people in the United States get their health insurance through their work. So if you yeah. can't work, maybe you now also lose your health insurance and then you can't get treatment, at least not affordable treatment. So you can't develop a medical record. So when Social Security says, show us your medical record, you think like, I, I can't do that. That's I, I want people to understand that's not just you. That's everyone in this system, right? And then they throw complicated application documents and functional forms, and then they'll lose things and tell you to redo them. It's 
but it's, it's hard enough on people who have significant medical conditions. And then on top of that, you can't work. So maybe you can't like pay your bills and you get behind on rent and things like that. And you have kids and then social security. When you turn to social security for help and they say they're there to help you pay the tax and be there when you need us. Well, then they just kind of rub salt in the wounds, right? With all this complicated yeah. paperwork. And then even if you can get through that, they'll tell you, oh, your medical records aren't substantial enough or sufficient or you don't have 12 months. And you say, well, how am I supposed to do that? I don't have health insurance. Well, sorry. I've literally had judges tell me we're denying a case because the claimant didn't have enough medical records. I guess they didn't need that treatment. When the claimant said, I didn't get treatment because I couldn't afford it. And the judge right. would say, well, I guess you didn't need it. So social security, the system is not designed to help people. If listeners mm-hmm. take away nothing else, understand that the system is not designed to help you. It's not designed to make it easy. And social security administration will put up barrier after barrier after barrier because of what you just said. They want people to get frustrated, give up, and self-select their way out of the system. Yeah. When Social Security says they approve 50% of claims. Well, that's 50% of claims who like make it to the hearing level. But there's so many people who feel like you do or who get so frustrated or who have anxiety, they have mental health impairments, they can't focus, they can't concentrate, mm-hmm. they can't deal with the stress of their medical impairments. And were their kids in medical impairments and the doctor's visits and everything to deal with social security, make them have to like turn over all your personal medical information and prove something to a government bureaucrat that should be private. It's really a horrible, demeaning, demoralizing system. But it's that way on purpose because they don't want you to get to those benefits because if too many people access disability benefits, it financially destabilizes the entire social security system. That system was designed for you to pay in for 40 years and get benefits at retirement age for a few years until you die. It's really not designed for people to pay in for 20 years and then get benefits for 10 or 20 years because they're disabled. And so Social Security is promising you that that program is there and you're paying into it thinking it's there. And then, as you said, they make it really difficult to get those benefits. And that is ultimately why I wrote my book, Social Security Disability Revealed. I wanted to explain to people, it's right there in the subtitle, why it's so hard to access benefits. You've now learned one of those things yourself, right? Yeah, it's that form. And that's just oh, yeah. the many ways they make it hard to access benefits. But I also want to tell people what you can do about it, how you can navigate the system, and whether it's you or your child or both of you thinking about applying for benefits, what you can do to feel a little less frustrated and feel a little more empowered to get yourself through this system so that you can access those benefits that you deserve. Remember, it's called an entitlement. If you've paid in, whether it's the social security tax or regular income taxes, and that's almost every American that pays at least one of those two mm-hmm. things, right? Yeah. Entitled to those benefits. Don't let the agency convince you to, to give up or make you feel like you want to give up. 
you have to know what's going on, know what they're doing and know how to get through it so that you can persist and get those benefits that you deserve. Right. Thank you. And that's the issue, isn't it? Is that if you're in, if you're in a situation to need the service and it's too difficult for you to do it, one, because you need the service and two, because they make it difficult for you. Plus the fact that there's some kind of stigma attached to applying. I mean, that's just like, can you explain, can you give us an overview of your book? And yeah. and yeah, and just tell us, you know, how we can get in touch with you, get the book and how it helps us. Yeah. So the website is visionspublishing.com, just like my name, B-I-S-H-I-N-S publishing.com. Mm -hmm. And that's got all the places to buy the book. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, bookshop.org if you want to support your local bookstore, get it from your local library. And this is our website is a full description of the book and the table of contents so someone can see how it's laid out for themselves. But what I want to do is I wrote it in a way where if someone doesn't, like we started out with our conversation, you didn't even know there was a disability program because that's honestly most people. Most people mm -hmm. don't think about something like a disability program until they're in the unfortunate situation of needing it. And then they think like, oh, this is a government program. Right. Fair with me. I'll just hand them my medical records and they'll approve my claim. And Social Security denies over 70% of people who apply when they first apply. It's not a fair system and it's not intended to help you. So I start by explaining the differences between the programs and how Social Security makes decisions so that you have that baseline understanding to know what you're getting yourself into. And then I explain the first two levels of review where just statistically, honestly, you'll probably be denied. Most people are. I tell someone how to get a representative, how to find a representative, how they get paid. And they only get paid if you get a favorable decision. They only get paid if you win. They'll tell you that. And that's true. And I explain in the book why that is and how that works. So that people understand that you absolutely should have a disability representative. And I explain how you can find one in your local area that can help you, that knows the judges in your local area the best and that can provide the best service for you. And then I explain what a hearing is because most people are going to be denied and they're going to have to go to a hearing with a judge. And at that hearing, there's going to be people talking about you who you've never met and who you, you don't understand how these people can possibly testify about and, but they are, and the judge is going to believe them. So you got to know who these people are and why they're there and why they are not there to help you. The agency will hire people, doctors and vocational experts to talk about you in a way that is disadvantageous to you. They will, um, social security will hire people and pay them to tell social security that you're not disabled and that you can work. It's not a fair fight and you got to know what's going in, what's going on going into that system so that you know how to counter that evidence because you really do have to do that. You have to provide some counterpoint to what they're saying or you're not going to be approved. And then I explain to people, well, if you still lose the third level in, if you lose a third time, here's how you can keep appealing because there's always the next step. There's always something you can do and I don't want people to give get frustrated and give up. That's what social security wants. And I want you to know that you can always do something else. But if you get approved, 
it's not over. And I also explain to people, if you get proof of benefits, how Social Security can and does take them away. And so you need to understand that that could also happen, even if you get approved. It's not over, um, and you need to keep very vigilant, keep getting medical treatment, medical records, so that you can be prepared for Social Security to try and take your benefits away. And then near the end of the book, I conclude by telling people, here's what's important, here's what you have to focus on. I know when someone's dealing with medical conditions and they're not working and they can barely or not even pay their rent, with so much going on in your life, I want you to understand the things that you can control and what you can't control and where to focus your energy. And after explaining the system to you, that's how I end the book because I really want people to know what they're getting themselves into, how to navigate that system, and where the decision points are where you're really going to have to, it's going to come down to you. It's not going to come down to social security, to a bureaucrat, or even to your lawyer. There are certain things that only you can do, right? Like only you're in your doctor's office. Your lawyer can't help you with that. Only you can talk to your doctor about your conditions and your limitations. And if you know the law and you know what you have to prove, for example, if you know the elements of depression, if you have a mental health condition, you can talk to your therapist or counselor or doctor about those specific elements so that that information gets into your medical records so that the judge sees that information later. But if you don't know what to talk about in your therapy sessions, that might not make it into your medical records. And then later on, when you get in front of the judge, at that point, it's too late. And if you have a back or a knee condition or a breathing condition, you have to know what tests to have in order to, again, it all starts. Your disability claim doesn't start when you apply. It starts when you're sitting there in your doctor's office or your therapist's office talking to them because that's when your medical records will start and that's what the judge will see later. And and if you have kids, I know your audience is a lot of parents. Same thing for your kids. You have to know Think about what am I going to be applying based on? Is it a developmental condition? Is it asthma? Is it ADHD? And I need to know what the law is and I need to know what to prove so that when I'm sitting there with the doctor or therapist, I can talk about those things and we can make sure those go into my kids' medical records so that when we get in front of the judge, and when it's a kid, the parent gets to go testify in front of the judge right. as well. Um, that we can talk about those specific things so that the judge has the information he or she needs in order to approve that claim. Wow. Oh, social, secu- social security disability revealed. Uh, why it's hard to access benefits and what you can do about it. Thank you for coming and talking to me today, Spencer. I really appreciate you. And this is a complicated topic that I'm glad that you're trying to explain to people who need it. Uh, a lot of mothers have kids that, you know, there are things going on with them and they probably don't realize that this stuff is available to them and they're working moms. So I, I'm very yeah. happy that you you brought this to us. And I, and I know, you know, working moms, they don't have a lot of time. And if you're thinking like, you don't have enough time to read this book, I, I just, I can't afford it. The thing is, if you're trying to access social security disability benefits, I know you don't have a lot of time or energy, but you can't afford not to know 
what's going to happen before it happens. You have to know yeah. the system before you get into it. Okay, thank you. So your one piece of advice would be to keep on top of your medical, um, the medical, whatever medical situation exists before you and, and make sure you keep record and be vigilant. Is, is that right? My one piece of advice, honestly, is you have to know the whole system because okay. it's more than just that, right? It's how the judges make decisions, how the decisions okay. are written, how to appeal. If you lose, you only have a limited amount of time to appeal. So mm -hmm. I know it's a lot of information. It's a 260 page book and that's not so quick to read, but I only put in here what I felt like people really absolutely needed to know so that they don't get messed over by the social security administration. So you have to be, I guess my one piece of advice is you have to be your own advocate. No one else is going to do that for you. You have to know the system. You have to know what's going on. And yeah, you can hire a lawyer, but you have to know what's going on so that you can work with them to present the best possible case, to give yourself the best possible chance at success. Right. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think it goes without saying that the people who make decisions on your medical is n are not medical doctors. They're actually lawyers. So <laughs> sorry, but it just, it just seemed like they're protecting their butts, right? Thank you very much, uh, Spencer. I appreciate you. Um, and again, tell us how we could get in touch with you. Are you on social? Yes. Uh, so at our website, bishinspublishing.com, B-I-S-H-I-N-S, publishing.com. In addition to all the places to buy the book, we have links to our social media, but it's at face, uh, Facebook and Instagram, we're at Bishens Publishing. And on Twitter, we're at Bishens Pub. But again, there's links to all that on our website as well. Okay, cool. I'll put that um, those links in the show notes. And um, yeah, that, that's good. I, I really appreciate you coming and talking to us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay. Hello, Solo Moms. Do you feel isolated and alone in your parenting journey? Are you tired of facing the challenges of solo parenting by yourself? If so, then I have the perfect solution for you. Join Solo Moms Connect.